When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate! Demons blissed out! Octopus, let me come on! There's rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? Now let's put those here to test our faith. That damn lie! I, I saw him with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did in illusions, man! None of it is true! I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. Welcome back to the Deep Share podcast. And I'd like to welcome back Dwayne Hayes, returning guest. And returning guest, Andy Gerard from Go Within to Get Out. It's been a while, man. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Uh, pretty busy these days. So absolutely. Um yeah, I'm good. I'm good over man? here, man. Happy to be back and uh really looking forward to Dwayne's presentation here tonight. Awesome. Hell yeah. And uh I have to credit Andy with even introducing me to Dwayne and, and showing me his work and turning me on to bulletproof publishers and man it's rocked my world. And I we've been waiting for this moment where the three of us could get together and jam on these topics. Yeah. And uh Last time Dwayne and I sat down, he gave one hell of a presentation for my audience for the Future Perfect series that you're familiar with, Andy. And I know that we've been talking, the three of us, for quite a while about Huxley and Leary and everything that led out of that era of time. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to get into tonight. And I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in what we have to to talk about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, without any further ado, Dwayne. Let's introduce the audience to this next part of this saga. Sure. So I'll just share a screen here. We're going to jump to our website and just so everybody can see where, where you got to go to find some of this stuff. Bulletproofpub.com for the listeners. Yeah. And then I just want to show people the collections library quickly because we are providing uh, sources for the material that we are presently in. So we've got Mm -hmm. some, like some collections of the important books that we we've provided for people so that you know they can go look at the actual documents themselves i i fully encourage everybody 
to do those kinds of things. So we've got Walter Lippmann and all of his important literature. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to add some Huxley because, oh, look at that. See? Oh, there it is. That is that is my man, Jan Soleil, web designer. Shout out to this guy. He's just yeah. been huge. He just finished uh, cooking dinner for his kids, and it looks like he found some time to throw this in before the show. So Fantastic. So we'll be able to steer you guys into here so you can start reading The Doors of Perception, The Perennial Philosophy, Brave New World, and start pulling the sources out for yourself because – these three books really influence the world in a in a huge way and and we're going to show you how that how influential huxley is a lot of people know that he's involved in mk ultra uh and and they know that he wrote brave new world and and you know if you're in the mainstream you believe that he was just a, a prognosticator and he could predict the future but what we're going to show here tonight is that he was really the architect behind all of it and i've already got a ton of backlash from huxley fans Mm. and for those people i just want to say hey we're just offering the information we are just providing the story uh as unbiased as we can because we want everybody to uh, what we're trying to do is just lay it out and have everybody consider because uh it's a it's a trait of the wise to be able to consider something without accepting it so you know everybody's entitled to their own opinion we're obviously trying to show his involvement is much deeper but uh you know there's a lot of huxley fans there's a lot of uh new age fans and people that are into that whole genre and i'm not trying to dissuade anybody from anything i'm just telling you a story so well yeah i think the important thing to keep in mind throughout these talks is is that there are a lot of nuances to this. I mean, there's like, I think we, we brought this up the first time around these types of people, these power hungry parasites, whatever, they always kind of take what's true or what's actually helpful and they use it to their own advantage. So a lot of people will throw the baby out with the bathwater, even to have an argument or a conversation with you about this. I can only imagine it's that they're holding dear to all the amazing wisdom that they did grab from doors of perception about themselves, about the world, about reality. I can totally get down with that, but that's not all there is to it. And I think that's what we're kind of trying to drive at here. Right. Yep. And I would say it's the classic example of 80% truth and 20% not truth. And the 20% that isn't true is very important to understand. Yes. So, this, we're going to start with Exilidorata because there's four um, articles that I've put out the last month and a half or so, and we've gone through the Future Perfect 1 and Future Perfect 2, and we're showing that there's a lineage, there's a there's a nepotism, so it's it's a familial line that we're following. We've already showed, you know, Gregory Bateson and his father, and then Norbert Wiener and his father, Leo, and how these guys seem to be groomed and and it goes back to even before their fathers into the mid 1800s you start following this and it you you start stumbling into the same patterns the same institutions royal society has been around for a long time and you know most of the roads lead back to there so the the next yeah the next article to consider here I mean, all of these can be looked at as separate entities of themselves. I wrote them in that way, so it doesn't really have an order. You can read them all, and you'll still get the concept. But 
the way that I wrote it and and uh, the sequence that I wrote it, uh, it's probably best to to do the future perfects too because it lays down some history there. Right. And then on top of that history comes the Exilterator 30 years later, the same decade as the Macy Conferences, uh, all of these exiles that wrote literature come over from from the Weimar and they land in Los Angeles. So that's what Exilterator means. It's just literature written while these guys are in exile. Interesting. So, and the other, the one thing that really is important for us at Bulletproof and the history of propaganda is the things that we can't see. Okay, so we can all see Huxley and, and the intangibles, but why I put Marx and Hegel and Freud here as if they were like wisps and clouds is because those things, the philosophies, the theologies, we don't really see. So once people can identify those kinds of things in the language, it becomes easier to see how they're steering us. So I just talked to my wife one night when I was writing this, and I said to her, I said, what is the likelihood that Aldous Huxley actually picked up some of these guys and, and you know, drove them to to wherever they were going because a lot of these guys well they all intermingle they're all going to each other's houses uh and i'm going to try to stay out of our most recent research because i've got an article coming out in the next couple days that takes us a little further so i'll try to stay out of that but we are identifying that these people are all living in the pacific palisades in the laurel canyon in the hills of los angeles they're not far from each other uh, I will say that uh, Thomas Mann and Aldous Huxley lived within a, a hundred feet of each other, and they were walking their dogs. The two families often hung out. Uh, when when Huxley left Los Angeles, all of his um, all of his uh, personal staff that was taking care of him at his house, they all went over to work with Thomas Mann. Hmm. So there's a much deeper relationship going on here. Uh, and for everybody that wants to know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to reveal this, but that is my pen, uh, pen name, Diego Garcia. Oh, so, cool. <laughs> I just love the name. <laughs> Diego and, Garcia. You know, <laughs> I find I get more honest uh, critique of my work when they don't think that it was written by me. So uh, I appreciate <laughs> by just that. some white guy. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the honest uh, critique of my work far more than I do when somebody says, you know, that's just great. I find that I can learn more that way. So I guess we just start right here. And I'm going to try to, you know, be as concise as I can. Well, that's all right. Any... Andy, by the way, jump in whenever you feel yeah. you know, you got something to, to throw yeah, in. I'm, uh, I'm just kind of observing. I, I want to throw some stuff in. Hopefully uh, I'll um, just kind of go with it. Hell yeah, yeah man. Per perfect segue because I, I was just going to say that at any time you guys want to stop me, just stop me and we can work our way through. Cool. So these guys land in Los Angeles. It's all part of this emergency committee in aid of displaced foreign scholars program. So this is Rockefeller funded, but you know, there's probably a hundred people that were funding this, but the, the major ones were Rockefeller, uh, Hiram, Halley, and the Rosenwald fund. And I provide a picture here down as we go, you'll see that how these guys all intermingle 
So having displayed, I see, Flexner, I see Flexner there. That's the uh, such yep. so important now. Um, yep. That that name, given what we've experienced the last couple years, mm-hmm. um, taking over the allopathic uh, or taking over the homeopathic system. And um, are you talking about that uh, that the they're trying to like make us regulate everything that we we do like herbally or something like that? Yeah, the Rockefellers basically. Um, I don't know, um, Dwayne, if if your work gets into f- that the Flexner report, but how they took over the uh, the universities, the um, the medical schools. They were actually teaching homeopathic um, remedies at the time, and then Rockefeller unleashes Flexner into the world, and next thing you know, um, homeopathic remedies are woo woo. Mm, totally yes, replaced yeah. with the petroleum-based system um and modern pharmaceuticals here we go right yep exactly there's the the flexner brothers there's three of them they kind of branch off into society in different areas and our modern medical industry really is founded on the flexner report that is absolutely true and yep he is involved here so another guy that Maybe nobody really knows. There's two guys here. Stephen Duggan, he's considered the apostle of internationalism. And Alvin Saunders Johnson, he's the co-founder of the New School for Social Research with uh, James Harvey Robinson and Charles Beard. These are two other major figures in the progressive movement. So we're going to get into maybe some of that too, Mm -hmm. how the progressive movement was used through the two pillars, the efficiency movement, and the preparedness movement. And it's all these really little buzzwords. That. They've always used the buzzwords since the yeah. beginning of the 20th century, as we've seen from the last episode, all the way through. Yeah. And so you can see Felix Warburg there too. Yeah. Widely known as the father of the Fed. And Alan Gregg, he's really the Rockefeller connection. So I've got some incredible footage, actually, of these guys having a barbecue at at this guy's house, the guy with the two dogs, Hiram Halley. Look at this dude. He's a major funder. And Rockefeller matches everything uh, that everybody else donates. He, uh, The Rockefeller Fund matches it all. So we've got Alfred E. Cohen, Bernard Flexner, Fred Stein, and Stephen Duggan. And they form this nucleus. And Hiram Halley uh, does a large amount of the, of the funding. And I've got this incredible video of uh, the university in exile, everybody that's working there at Columbia uh, at their annual barbecue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. we're going to show that we're going to get we're going to get there. It's just some amazing footage, but it really just it's damning. It shows that they're all hanging out. And to me, this looks like another paperclip like a different form of yes. operation paperclip, like just in, instead of uh, like a secret operation, you're just putting it right out in the open, calling it something polite emergency mm-hmm. committee in the aid of displaced foreign scholars. Yep. Yeah. And there's several of these groups. That sounds sound great. Like. Doesn't it? It yeah, does. It sounds very great. helpful. I'm just sure like they'll help build back better. Just like build back better. Just like sustainability. Oh yeah. These buzzwords that they use all these real truthful things that we want and good, good things for the most part that those are the buzzwords that they like to steal and use. 
Black Lives Matter, right? Who's going to disagree? Wait, who the fuck is supposed to argue with that? Who's going to disagree with the statement, right? (laughs) Right, and so they shape these arguments and and frame them. So came from these minds, right, Dwayne? Came from these kinds of minds right here. Psychology. Yeah, exactly. And so you were saying it's something like paperclip. That is exactly what's going on. But it's it's an infiltration of of all aspects of society. So if 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 everybody can go back into one of my older uh, articles about uh, the Stanford Research Institute and the changing images of man study that they did that started in the 70s and ended in the 80s, we see this this real rise in pharmacological. All of a sudden, everybody's on four or five drugs. This is right after all of this. That report is inspired by both Huxley's Joseph Campbell. Uh, the hero oh. with the faces or the hero's journey. Yes. See, no, and damn it. He's involved deeply. Right. <laughs> and, and Huxley and both Huxley's are, are cited as our BF Skinner and all of these behaviorists. Uh, they figure out, they present all of the ways that they figure are best to control society. And, and they even get into hypnotism and uh, magical and mythical realms. Mm-hmm. And I invite everybody to go read that. We go in depth, and I think we even provide the actual document. And this is the one on Stanford. Yeah, I think I've read me, it. I think I'll go back and reread it. That yeah. made me think <laughs> about. Um, I just did a web a search on your website, but um, those names, uh, Joseph Campbell and Huxley, made me think about Esalen, the Esalen Institute. Yes. Um, because yeah. that was. I was just, I wanted to, I was doing like some more research recently in pre- preparation for this because I wanted to see how some of your research um, tied in with that because it, it gets into modern day with Joe Rogan and all of his, the types of guests that go on his show. Um, the intellectual dark web. The intellectual dark web. Yeah. Intellectual uh, gatekeepers. Oh, they yeah. are major gatekeepers for sure. So Campbell, Campbell, and Dick Price founded uh, Esalen in 1962 with influence from Huxley and funds from Rockefeller, Carnegie, Packard, Ford. Um, yeah. So I, I was. That's where I kind of wanted to bring, <clears throat> kind of wanted to bring that angle. Um, but I, I, I wasn't sure if you were gonna kind of touch on that. But you just mentioned. Um, mentioned Joseph Campbell, so I figured I'd throw that in there. But uh, keep going. Yeah, I didn't even it. make the Esselin and Campbell connection. I I just like the hero's journey and yeah, some of his work, you know. Yeah. I did Damn. not know that he was involved in the creation of Esselin, and I did not know that Rockefeller funded that. But we definitely get into the creation of Esselin because Huxley inspires it all. Oh yeah. So big time. Here it's a is huge, an incredible huge linchpin in this whole thing, Esselin. It is. It is. And so this is an incredible photo here that I just uncovered a while back. And this is them at the Waldorf Astoria after they've all been emigrated back to the United States. And what we see here at the head of the table is Felix Frankfurter, Isaiah Bowman, and Saunders Johnson, Alvin Saunders Johnson. And they're at the head of the table right at the mic. And I never knew that there was a connection between Bowman and Frankfurter. But I was amazed to see this photo. We have Thomas and Heinrich Mann, right front and center. So you see there's, this is all of these 303 scholars. It actually branches out even more 
uh, into other areas than just, you know, scholars and intellects. Mm-hmm. It gets into all kinds of other things too. So they're funding all of these guys coming over and it so resembles Operation Paperclip. Yeah. And it's and you said it's 303 scholars? Uh, officially, originally. That is, <laughs> of course. That is what happened. But then they broke out into, they branched out and started bringing everybody that they could. Mm-hmm. And the Exiliterator, as we get into it, they help also to bring these people because they're they're friends of theirs. Right. So we got to introduce. Real yep. quick, just yep. another name to throw at you, Dwayne, before I forget. Barbara Marks Hubbard. Does any of your work get into her? Mm-mm. Okay. All right. Andy, yeah. how about you? Are you familiar with Barbara Marks Hubbard? No. Is any relation or connection to Elron? Well, um, no, no, no connection there. That's just a really odd coincidence, actually. But (laughs) no, she had a lot to do with like the new age psychedelic approach to everything. And yeah, she's in all these very positive. I think one of her I can't remember the names, but it was like the positive foundation or the the all these very I think, man, I wish I could think of them right now, but I'll keep looking. You go ahead, Dwayne. Sorry. Yeah. And the other thing there, too, with the last name Hubbard, Mm. Al Hubbard. Uh, the Johnny Appleseed of LSD. He was a. He wasn't just an agent for the United States or Canada. He was playing multiple countries mm. there, and so he's he was based out of Vancouver, and he was doing LSD studies on people out of. Uh, in, in New Westminster, it was called the Hollywood Hospital, mm-hmm. and actually some big names went there, uh, actors at the time and used lsd for for various reasons Um, (gasps) holy fuck dude okay i just have to mention this because i looked up barbara marks hubbard so in case i found anything that could relate to this i could bring it up it relates to something entirely different in her youth she attended the dalton school in new york city do you guys know why that's significant i do not the (laughs) the headmaster for a time was a man named donald barr father of former Bill uh, Barr. yeah former whatever the hell he was i can't remember william Barr. yeah william Barr. bill Barr, right. and yep. king, and, of, king and, of the cover-up right there covered yes i ran contra right covered and up epstein covered that's up. the thing the epstein connection is that his father donald allegedly might have been the one that hired epstein as a college dropout to teach math and physics at the dalton school while he was the dean and while he was the dean he wrote space relations all about alien child rape slavery and shit on another planet yeah more stuff i did not and his second book was about after a collapse and the clandestine power grab that takes place so yeah fun fun connections all around the dalton school wonderful yeah anyway that's what we're finding too that when you start reading their literature it's all there it's everywhere nobody reads their literature who's going to read uh max horkheimer's uh dialectic of enlightenment but this really lays <laughs> out what's going on it's tough read i've tried to read it a couple times and i i'm still trying to wrap my head around some of the language mm-hmm. because these guys didn't speak any english and so a lot of it is translated so maybe this is the first time that people are being introduced to this these exhilarators. And these That's are two great. guys. 
Max Horkheimer, the top guy there in glasses, the bald dude looks like Kojak kind of, and then Theodore Adorno. He, these are both the inventors of critical theory. So when we talk about Black Lives Matter and all of this neoliberalism that's going on, this is this is an extension of progressivism and an extension of Theodore Adorno's critical theory. And you can see in a picture what critical theory really means there. He's just got his thumbs down. Exiled from Germany, right, is, is what yep. I'm... Yep, they come from the Frankfurt School. Uh, yep. uh, Horkheimer is is the director. Adorno ends up being the director when he goes back in the in the 50s. So they're key guys. I wonder how much they were involved with uh, subverting the uh, German population before uh, before that historical event. Right. right. So interesting. For I mean, me we to... wanted we wanted their scientists for particular reasons. We wanted their psychologists for particular reasons too. Yep. And that is where our research is now, because they are very influential in the Weimar Republic, a lot of these connections. And so if anybody knows about the Weimar, it was it was, a, you know, a society that looks a lot like ours right now, just sort of degrading and just further and further absurdities. Yep. Falling right? apart from the inside out. Yep. yep. And we see the same thing there. And. I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, so we we because we first have to work through this stuff. Uh, because if if we were just to sort of jump ahead, there's going to be a lot of incredulity. But I want to sort of prove our steps along the way in a in a deductive manner, so you know people can. That's, that's what we're I, here to do, man. There Absolutely. are so many people right now with so many questions about where we're at and what's going on, and so that's logic who, what, why, where, when, when you start asking those questions. And that's what we want to see people doing. And so what we've done and really what our mission is to, is to be a place where people can land, can start to, to figure out what true history is, or at least to the best that we can determine through primary source material. And then they can start seeing themselves in their true and proper place. Okay, this is Plato talked about this in Republic. That we, have, we must drag the ignorant up the steep and rugged ascent into the light of the truth so that they can consider themselves in their true light, not mere reflections in the water. And I think this is what he was talking about. Absolutely. So this all goes back to Columbia. Uh, the head of Columbia at the time, he and Horkheimer uh, make a plan. Horkheimer comes over. They actually take this critical theory Marxist school from Frankfurt and install it into Colombia. Okay, now Colombia is an Ivy League, but it's it's even more than that because it has a teacher's school. So they're not only just teaching the students, but they're teaching the teachers how to teach. Right. So this is again, we're framing information. Just like a library or a book is, is framed, same <laughs> thing. So Charles Beard is a major progressive as is James Harvey Robinson. These two are super close to James T. Shotwell, who's a, a leader of the inquiry. If you've read the Future Perfect one, you'll be familiar with him. Yep. So the new school, there's that word, right? Yeah. We talked about that they, in part one. Yep. So they become two or they become one. The two become one. We've, we've already established the, the new school for social research through Beard and Harvey Robinson, and it's about 15 years later that the university in exile comes. And this is Max Horkheimer 
and the Frankfurt School. That's what they call it. It's the university in exile. So they join forces. And so when we talk about social research, you're going to see that phrase all the time. And what that is, is they are deep into research on us. And then when you hear the phrase applied science, that is when they've taken that information that they've gathered and now applying it, infusing it into society. So we see some of the guys here that are involved in the Frankfurt School, and we can start to see how they branch out. Uh, Herbert Marcuse, he's, you know, top three guy at the Frankfurt oh, School. He ends up Abby going Hoffman. to teach. Yes. So he's teaching at Brandeis University of all places at first, and he's teaching these social radicals. And he is considered by even the mainstream as the father of the new left. He quote, he was quoted as saying the grandfather maybe of the new left. Mm. And we have Kurt Lewin. Or Kurt name. Levine is how we pronounce it. So he's a modern pioneer in social organization and applied psychology. Considered the founder of social psychology. And he, so he's from Germany and he comes over oh, here yeah. and starts influencing major. All of these guys are influencing the intellectual scholarly level of society and that's really the 20 percent you know noam chomsky talks about the 20 percent that manage and that's the doctors and all that that's that's really who they're influencing here because that is the most important uh, demographic to influence because they're then going to influence and manage the rest of the society so that's why we see when we talk to doctors that they're just repeaters and regurgitators Right. And not really a, a lot of logic is flowing there. Nothing personal against any doctors, but this is what I'm finding. No, you find their corners and their limits constantly when you try to yes. talk to them for like a human being. In, and this goes in an back appointment to, anyway. <laughs> and this goes back to Andy's point about the origins of the medical industry and how they kind of flipped it. Mm -hmm. So we've also got Eric Fromm. And he's a Zionist. Incentive structures too, right? I mean, it's yes. hard for them to have a conversation when they have $250,000 in debt and they're financially incentivized to give vaccines, pharmaceuticals, surgeries, radiation, chemo, yep. how are they going to give anything other than that? I mean, yep. financially incentivized to give these yep. things by insurance companies, by their overlords, the people they report to. It's not like I always say it's not like these people are bad. They don't have yeah. bad intentions and they don't really I don't think they deliberately want to harm anybody. But the system that they operate in. No, you, is, you think about like a whole lifetime of schooling dedicated yeah. to a paradigm. And then you have people coming in trying to say that, you know, there's other options, but your paradigm says that it's the best and only option. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's hard to break through that and see otherwise. So that's the overarching sort of veil when we want to talk brainwashing. That's like the overarching level, and there's multiple levels down. Mm -hmm. It's a trap, really. They've set up an amazing trap for yeah, absolutely I mean, so many different institutions and careers and you know ideas. It's like they've just trapped us, you know, in, yeah, in so many ways. It's 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 a Yep. brilliant it is diabolical right it, is like, it goes brilliant. back to uh Dwayne you and I were talking about like the liberal arts right 
they've got us in every direction. We talk about, you know, um, a, a fellow podcaster, Charlie Robinson, wrote the octopus of global control, right? It's in every direction they've got us. And it's because of that aspect, that liberal arts. They gathered all of those people together that knew a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So that way they could literally just from the top down and outward, just grab everything and every, everybody. It's unbelievable what they've done. It is. It's fucking brilliantly diabolical. Yeah. So when you talk about the intelligent creatives and how they control, you know, rock stars and all of that, they're doing the same there too. Yeah. Every industry you look at. The liberal arts, this is how they created our caste system. It's not necessarily a wealth gap. It was a knowledge gap that created that wealth gap. And it's really the coveting of the liberal arts and only giving it to those that they want so that, you know, the difference between a liberal arts degree and any other degree is that, you know, it it gives you an opportunity to live a life instead of make a living. So you can actually walk the earth and make a, a living without having any tools because of your perspective on the world and how well you understand how it actually works. So this is why Ivy League is so important. We talk about the prestige of Harvard, but prestige really means to trick or fool. And that's what we see here is that it's all just a, a big trick. And, and you know, if you think about when you were back in high school, you were already being identified and and the the ones that were willing to regurgitate they were being pulled out of there given scholarships and then yep. they get steered into being that 20% that are managing so I now it. i did it i worked in corporations for 12 years so that's I right good, i was a good little slave right. <laughs> i uh i always um there was something deep down that I didn't like about school, but I always like studied hard and got good grades and stayed after. I went to, you know, University of Connecticut, studied finance. I, f- I studied finance and I didn't know that the Federal Federal Reserve was not federal. Yeah. I paid forty thousand dollars a year to get a finance degree, and I didn't know that the Federal Reserve was a private bank. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot, doesn't it? Did you have trouble like talking to, you know, people in your own field about that? Um, you, you discovered it. It wasn't. I was pretty much. Uh, this was a recent, you know, probably in the oh, last okay. four or five years, and I try to explain that to some people, like at work as a corporate accountant, you know, for Dell EMC, um, one of the largest tech firms in the world, um, <clears throat> and then CVS. Uh, excuse me, worked for CVS for a few years, got bullied out of there because I wouldn't get vaccinated. Um, but yeah, definitely people are like, what do you mean? It's not federal. I'm like, yeah, oh, it's a private bank and, and it's a, a a debt-based slavery system. Mm -hmm. I said, and those pieces of paper in your pocket mean nothing. And it's insane. (laughs) And people would look at me like I'm insane. Right, of course. The fact that I was studying finance and didn't know anything about the Federal Reserve other than that they, uh, you know, they set the interest rates up and down, blah, 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 this bullshit. Yeah, there's always a cover story. That's that's another part of the genius, right? I mean, college is literally the biggest lie I've ever bought, and it's the biggest fraud that you could ever imagine. 
this is how I learn and, and make sense of my reality is my personal experience in it. Right? right. So I always blend my own personal life and story with it because this is how I learn. I mean, in college, you're literally, you're a professional drunk. And every guy <laughs> that I knew in college was a drunk. Oh yeah. And he chased women and he, ch and he was doing drugs. And then after four years of that, consistent debauchery and degeneracy and like just base level animalistic thinking and behavior you think that you're actually educated and more intelligent than other people and prepared that is the for the viewpoint real world you leave with you leave right. with that viewpoint and that sort of supremacist uh sort of um thinking Right. And, and it just it, it couldn't be further from the truth or, or, or the complete and total opposite of reality. Yeah, it's because like, they've been told that they are the best and brightest. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always talk about like Russian dolls, man. And, you know, Dwayne's work has thrown me for a loop and kind of shown me another level to the the Matroshka, because, like, you know, I've always known that, you know, public school was controlled and all that. Right. But when you look at it, the way this information presents it all, the school system is literally not how things were always done at all. And it's just like this thing that has infected Western civilization. It's mm -hmm. insane. And, and not even just Western. It's infected the whole world. Yeah. Crazy. Because it's a worldview that they wanted. They, they This is literally what they, they wanted to accomplish at the Paris Peace Conference was to make a world that was liberal minded. Right. And under an Anglo-American Atlanticist uh, worldview. Mm. So when you're underneath that, then you believe that internationalism, this, this uh, move away for, from uh, material force of arms and into this moral uh, international law everybody believed at the time that this was the right way to go because the the, the great war was just horrific right and i think that honestly that this is part of the dialectic is these wars really push people to to take these perspectives like it's really pacifists that created the league of nations right it wasn't warmongers it's it's a bunch of pacifists that you wouldn't expect a bunch of women in fact Right. Like we've shown that, that these these groups are the ones that are involved. So. So shit, the <laughs> the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> yeah. And we got to be careful as to sort of what policies that, that we we take forward. And this is an important part, too. We need to identify specifically the institutions that are trouble and remove them. Right. Well, it's 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 not the system necessarily, but it is systemic. So. Mm. You know, anything that has research institute attached to it, in my personal opinion, needs Run. to be removed. And, and a lot of, of our issues would be gone. So, yeah, I mean, demonic possession is a great metaphor for it, because like there's a person in there like the I, I don't know about the Constitution necessarily, but like in generally speaking, like there's a way of, of life that we could all adhere to. But it's kind of been infected with like a parasite almost. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to see. Oh yeah. Cause it mimics and everything you're talking about. It's hard to see. You just get wrapped up in this current and this is really progressivism. We have no time for questions of the past. You know, there's really right. very little talk about the past just today and the future. Right.
And it's literally like on an individual basis, I'm sure both of you guys can relate on an individual basis. That's the way if a person's living that way, it's always destructive. And you see it in friends and family mm. and, and people, you know, and it's like, oh, that person's being destructive because they're not considering critically what they're doing or where they are, who they are. And they're just plowing on forward. And you look around, that's literally what the whole world is going that direction. Yeah. And that's why, you know, there's really never been a public debate about uh, climate change mm. and several other things, because they're going to just push people to assume that what, you know, the experts are saying is true and, and there's really no time to debate it. And, you know, we get called old guys that are out of touch when, when we even bring up the argument. Right. So this is really the, the trick of progressivism. So anyway, and, let's get back to, yes. let's get back on track. We got this. Yeah ugly mug staring us down yeah a man that introduced and helped so many in me included to be honest uh into like the psychedelic panic and freak out of what it all meant i mean yeah. ugh, so this, is his house house here. this is actually huxley's house here so he's just below the hollywood sign How and that, that still exists today <laughs> uh they have you know big get-togethers on anniversaries and specific dates there you can go on the internet and see. Um, so this is another interesting part that I wanted to put in the article that they considered Santa Monica, or for that matter, Los Angeles in its entirety, a suburb of Hollywood rather than the hmm. other way around. This is, you know, their critical analysis of, of Western life. So here's another one, Bertolt Brecht. And we're really just going to introduce these people. It's the next article we get into how they did it. Okay. But it's important that we're in this grammar stage. We want to get to know the names of the people, places, and things. And yes. then the next article, we get into the specifics of what books they uh, wrote and the plot lines and how they all sort of work together and, and nudge society in the direction that they want. So here he is from 1940, a census that shows that, you know, it's, it's pretty prolific. You know, they're coming into Los Angeles at a pretty good Whoa. rate. And it's this area here that we mm -hmm. really concentrate on specifically. My God, where's Laurel oh. Canyon? Yeah, Laurel Canyon is I'm trying to find it. Right in here. Linwood. Okay. Okay. And Huxley's up here. Yeah. At, underneath the Hollywood sign. And then literally all the way down Sunset Boulevard to the Villa Aurora, which is down here in, in Pacific Palisades. Mm -hmm. You can see they're littered all the way along there. So this is really what gave me the idea that I wonder if Huxley's driving and picking up all of these guys on their way to the Villa Aurora. <laughs> right. That is, uh, that is extensive. That's unreal. They yeah. have that place literally cornered from mm -hmm. every side. And, like how and many so names in here have connections to the Committee of 300? Club of right. Rome, right? Lord knows what and, and else. So I'm not going to suggest anything right now. I mean, we can get into no, speculation, no. but I'm starting to see where this is going back into the past, and it yeah. is profound, man. We feel like we are standing at a real incredible place in history. I'm not sure why we've been left to uncover all of this, but you know, Jan and I have talks right now, and we're just like blown away that 
we've been given this opportunity to to reveal all this to show everybody because I, I there's no way you can make an argument as far as I'm concerned that no this is just by coincidence any of this and it's so, great to show the tactics all yeah. the way through and we can visibly see them so obviously now out in the public that it's almost like once you go through this research there's no doubt at all making the connections yep this this is what we try to do is eliminate all excuses yes and we do that through primary source material so that it's not our opinion it's it's what's been presented as mm -hmm. best as we can determine so here's the villa aurora this was a, a political salon. So for those that aren't familiar with that term, this comes out of the French Revolution. And it's it's uh, it's really and it's the same energies actually that foment the French Revolution that are that are here. And this place is owned by Leon and Marta Fuchtwanger and his private library includes primary sources of all of the major French revolutionaries. Huh, so start to look, and so they donated everything that he had to USC. And now there's a Fuchtwanger library and they do fellowships out of here. So you can see the continuation, the ominous continuity that Kevin mm -hmm. Cole talks about, how they continue this invisible thread of school of thought through all the way to today still using the same buildings and they 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 really all of these people admire Fuchtwanger and Thomas Mann and they really credit them with the world that we have today so let me ask a dumb question real quick because some people out there maybe have the same dumb question mm -hmm. um I was going to college my first year as a quote-unquote liberal arts major right it's like one of the most popular majors that you can get into pretty much across the board i went to for this that was at a community college but it was like are we're clearly talking about two separate things when it comes to like the hand-picked you know curated liberal arts uh progressives that we're talking about where's the distinction there is it just that they handpick people kind of that follow that trajectory and make themselves known like how does that work? Is it the same thing? Is it kind of two different levels? Well, I would say that the education system in its entirety is a filter system. Okay. And, and the cream rises to the crop and, and they're not necessarily the smartest. They've just, they've, they believe that the best way to get marks is to remember everything and regurgitate it. And really we know that that's what education is really about is, mm -hmm. is those that, uh, are able to remember everything and and put it down the way that they want it will become those that they covet so mm -hmm. it's a vetting system really for them and you know i was a rumor in grade 12 so i was never on their radar mm -hmm. but you know you when i was in grade 11 i remember and maybe you guys had this too where we had to go in and fill out a questionnaire and they put all of that information into a computer and it came out and said what you were best suited for after yeah. high school. Now this is a major part of it. And, and the answer that came out for me was a garbage man, <laughs> you know? So they, they, this is a, a major part where they can identify those that are, that are 
going to benefit them and they start offering scholarships and so this is uh yeah i mean they steer everybody they take the the brightest ones and and take them to the ivy leagues and mm -hmm. covet them turn them around and use them um to you know against their own self-interest really yeah. and they they just don't know so oh, yeah a lot of these people have no idea what they're doing so we talk about the evil of the world it's really it's just they're being manipulated and they they honestly feel as if they are doing the world a good yeah it's unconscious i use the oh. i use the term unwitting accomplice right because yes. uh well i stole it from they live that Fuck uh, yeah <laughs> that 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 interruption uh the guy who interrupts the the tv program in the homeless shelter and that guy the homeless guy we like are there unwitting accomplices <laughs> I, it's true though it's so it's so dead on like it's what you were so just smart. what you were just talking about because again we're doing all their work again my example Yep. I'm doing corporate accounting for Dell EMC. They got fortune. They got contracts with Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin. They make bombs and we're supporting it. I'm supporting it. I do corporate finance for CVS. They're making drugs that kill people, including people that I love. It's mm -hmm. not that I have some evil plan or these accountants have some evil, but we're involved in it. We're wrapped up in it. There's very few opportunities. They've engineered that into our society as well um gutted small towns you know i'm from a really small town is absolutely gutted there's nothing there um 30 of the people in our town get their groceries from um a gas station you know it's food desert it's just it's unwitting accomplice i think is probably one of the best um terms to kind of show people how we are we're all involved you know yeah. and that's what makes it so difficult to you know i mean yeah you can certainly point to these folks as having engineered all this but who's really doing this who's carrying it out who's making it come true it's the the software engineers and the developers and the accountants and the you know the people making these companies go and these companies that are wreaking havoc on the earth and damaging our earth and damaging our communities with harmful medications and harmful mm -hmm. vaccines that these companies have no liability for yeah you know it's like it's yeah. we're we're really tied up in it but yeah and we're talking degrees between implicit and complicit that's right yeah and that's where you're going to find everybody uh and so we're trying to ad identify those complicit more so it so almost feels because... like they have it set up so we will be complicit like well you did it all like what yeah. you did all our work for us you know like the whole yeah. liberal arts thing it's kind of when I w like checked off liberal arts, when, when I applied, it was like, that's the major you choose when you don't know what you want to do. Because of course there's a huge part of our society that just gets bombarded and doesn't know what the hell to do and doesn't have, doesn't know what opportunities they have. You know what I mean? Yep. And liberal arts is really the, the best knowledge and, and education you can get. True. Right. Everything yeah. else stems from it because through the liberal arts, you learned how to communicate uh, through grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And right. so you're afforded a lot more uh, breadth of knowledge than just a doctor that's in a specific industry. So you right. can really see it once you, once you really uh, start getting 
an understanding of the liberal arts, you really start to see the limitations of doctors and lawyers and those people that you used to respect in the old world. Right. So here we have Esselen. There it is. There we okay, go. And here we're, we're getting into Huxley and his connections into MK Ultra. Okay. And Aldous Huxley is at these political salons. Uh, so they're all visiting the Villa Aurora with Theodore Adorno, Horkheimer, and all of these escapees from Weimar. Hmm. And so you see, and I've got a video of this, of Albert Stubblebein admitting that Huxley was the head of MKUltra. And so this kind of explains why Sidney Gottlieb's name is the only one not redacted on the whole thing. You know, every other name is redacted, but Sidney Gottlieb, and I couldn't figure this out. Why would they throw him under the bus like that? Well, once I started figuring out that they're protecting Huxley, I can see it makes sense. Pretty nuts. So see, yep, go ahead. Did you say something? I just said it's that's pretty nuts like, oh. to see I, it like that. When I see that human potential movement, I think um, Rogan on it. Right yeah. on it's the human optimization company, uh, based oh, on, on based on um, absolute uh, pseudoscience and fraud. Mm -hmm. The human yeah. potential movement, the uh, what they're selling, the products they're selling. That's what I think of when I see yep. human potential. You know. Yep, and I would say that that's the modern rendition of all of this. This is a very important pe uh, part yep. for people to understand. We really want them to see what it looks like now. Yeah. So that we can in in real time start eliminating the things that are being most harmful to us so you see huxley takes his first hit of mescaline from humphrey osmond he's an mk ultra doctor <laughs> uh, we've got uh, documentation and, and conversations between huxley and all of the mk ultra doctors this is on the internet you can go find it he is communicating he's making suggestions out on how best to do things, he's suggesting maybe giving these patients LSD before they're hypnotized, and maybe they're getting better results that way. And so that's this is why we think that Huxley. This is one reason why we think Huxley was the head of MK Ultra. We're gonna get into the video with Timothy Leary where they all yes. basically admit it, right? So that's one of the most shocking things I've ever seen. Yeah, the they're the all in the same yeah. room. I Dude, it's so nuts. Oh, Dwayne, yeah. you're such a badass. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we're dude, getting there. We're getting there. Time. So here's Thomas Mann's home, 1150 North San Remo. While they were building this house, he was living on Amalfi Drive right across the street from Huxley. And they were taking walks with their dogs and their family up to see the construction while it was taking place. So these guys are very close. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned the Weimar here. And that's all we're going to do for now is just mention it. <laughs> so this is the book here. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 55 bucks. But, you know, it is absolutely priceless, some of the stuff that is in there. You're not going to find some of this stuff on mainstream. You have to buy the books. So he says that there are no statistics available for artists in other fields, but it is safe to call this one of the largest emigrations of writers and artists recorded in history. So you, again, back to Operation Paperclip. And this is all happening at the you know, same time. 
that's what that's what made me think of it so closely yeah. timed just different aspect mm-hmm. so there's the end of that article right now wow man we'll get into the huxley now i wonder um i just had a thought come to me like so i've been getting into the bible and uh watching you know clips of rabbis and things and there's rabbis out there on YouTube just openly, gleefully talking about how in order for their Moshiach to return, for their Messiah to return, that America and the West and Europe need to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if some of these folks are coming in to America to subvert from within to basically cause the cause total insane chaos psychologically and to get us to you know like you say that that nudge us in a certain direction to um to affect our our morality our our behavior um i mean we're seeing it just right now with this trans agenda is on full i mean it's just Mm -hmm. absolutely insane what they're doing you know um i have a roommate again this is how i learned through personal experience his has a a trans a high school trans son my mother worked in a pharmacy with a young woman who identified as a man killed him killed herself you know at a young age um i was just that came to me that that idea came to me that all these uh all these sociologists these professors these thinkers show up here in this mass migration Mm -hmm. and you have these rabbis just gleefully talking about how western culture um western civilization in america specifically needs to collapse in order for their messiah to return right and it's just it's just a thought that i had well, you got very good intuition because that's where we're going. And that really shows that's that is fact that, yeah. that this is one way that they're doing it through Hollywood movies, but they're infusing their their these guys are screenwriters and playwrights and, and poets because we're talking, you know, 1920. And so they when they come here, they get involved in in screenwriting for Hollywood, as does Huxley. He writes a screenplay for uh, Alice in Wonderland and a couple oh. other things. Mm. So he's deeply involved in that. And all of these guys are combining their their skills together. So some are screenwriters, some are novelists. Uh, Adorno and Schoenberg work together, Adorno and Mann work together on man's novel Faust. And Faust. so, wow. right? Faust. Now I'm going to stop there on that because there is some more stuff that's coming in our next article that just is incredible with this Faust. Wow. The connections Jeez, that are being man. made. Yeah, drag queen story time. There you go. Right. Right. <laughs> so we can see here already, I'm, I've got issues on our website. The pictures are missing. And Jan just got back to me. He says, I, I see that. Let me look into it. So we'll see if he can fix those as we go. But we'll just kind of go through this. And this is the question that I wanted to pose to everybody. How can we call uh, Huxley a great prognosticator of our future world when he was so complicit 
in the design and execution of it. So he's beyond implicit to me. He is, mm -hmm. he is, and this is why I put him behind the wheel in that picture because he is steering. He's the one driving the show. These other, he's teaming up with these guys and, and they are very effective, but he's really the one, you know, moving the chess pieces. You know, that was a great fun. image, by the way, with him driving the bus there. Yeah, being <laughs> like the super villain. And he kind of looks like the super, the super villain from The Watchmen looks like him. Right. Like, right. The dude that like, and, you know, funny enough is that guy, that super villain wants to implode everything from the inside out to cause like a fake scenario and everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all connected. It is. And so. Uh, for those that don't know, Huxley is Thomas Henry Huxley's nephew. And that's, you know, Darwin's bulldog. And his mm. brother founded UNESCO. So he's a major player in the international movement as well. So uh, what the amazing part for me here is, as we get closer to the Esalen and the human potential side of this all, was that all of these guys are at Sanary sur mer because it, we're talking very early 30s. They're already getting out of Germany. They're seeing the, the rise of national socialism, so they're vacating. And where do they go but Sanary Sumer? And where is Huxley at this exact time writing A Brave New World but Sanary Sumer? They're all hanging out there too. And so <laughs> it's a, it, it is very much a coordinated move. They've they've obviously come up with some plans and a design while they're all at Scenario Sumer and they all come over within a few years of each other and start to push all of this degradation into society. So for me, that was a very profound discovery that not only did they show up in L.A. with Huxley, but they were already all together in the south of France. When, mm. when Huxley was actually writing the novel of the world that we are now living in. So I, Michael Murphy. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. I was going to say uh, with Esalen too, um, they used to like do like naked uh, sessions in the bathtub, in the, the hot springs at mm -hmm. night and stuff. And it makes me think of like a kind of an Epstein esque sort of, um, total great opportunity for them to run blackmail ops on anyone attending there right. as well. Yeah. yeah, that's an angle I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't realize. It's like if you search Esalen, you could find all these images of these uh, Silicon Valley magnates and uh, Soviet <clears throat> Jews and and um, e even NASA astronauts would go to Esalen. Yeah. Um, and uh, you find all these compromising um, images of them naked with each other in hot springs and stuff like that. So it made me think, made me think of, uh, you know, kind of like a recruitment process. And then they have a process for um, making sure that you, you know, cooperate. Yeah. And I would say that they wouldn't miss an opportunity to do that. If it was there, they would definitely capitalize on those things. And when you think about who went through Esalen, it's basically everybody. The Beatles made it super popular because they went there. But a lot of the 60s counterculture comes out of there, too. And actually, the both of them are really inspired by Huxley novels. You know, the, the perennial philosophy, Doors of Perception. We all know that that 
you know, inspires Jim Morrison to name his band The Doors. This is where yeah. that comes from. And this here is the his effect on Esalen actually was another realization for me. I was just like, wow. Because they when you go to the Esalen website, it shows that they just built a Huxley room on top of the old Huxley room in 2016. And when you look at the the interviews and you read some of the books of the founders of Esalen, they talk glowingly. And they say, if I can find it here somewhere, might be getting ahead of myself. But he, the, one of the founders talks about how Huxley's the seminal inspiration for Esalen. So we can see here Bertolt Brecht, Scenari Samer, he's talking about uh, Thomas Mann's place, it's tranquil white stuccoed Scenari house where the olive groves slope down to a deep azure sea. So the Palisades is very uh, Mediterranean. It's um, it's nicknamed the Riviera, the Riviera. So, yeah, Malfi Drive. You were saying, right? Um, isn't that what what uh, that um, Villa Aurora? Isn't that yeah. the road that it was on? Uh, no, but they're all named after Italian cities by the, okay, the, the designers that laid out the streets and everything. There we go. I thought of Amalfi Coast yeah. when you, because uh, you said Mediterranean. I, I think you said something about Amalfi Drive a little earlier and made me think of that. Right. It, yeah. So it's all connected to the Mediterranean. And they even say at the time that they were amazed when they got to California and just how similar it was uh, to the south of France and the Mediterranean Sea where he wrote A Brave New World. So mm -hmm. we can see that Jan is behind the scenes here fixing things as we go. And I'm forever grateful for that kind of activity right there. Thank you, Jan. Because I think that the pictures, you know, are very important as we can see Aldous Huxley's grandfather with his hand hidden. Yep. Many people know what that is. So here's We're a... That He's, you know, the Villa Aurora at the time is really one of the only houses there. It's it's built as a demonstration home, and he buys it for nine grand out of a bankruptcy. And it's, I mean, man calls it a true castle by the sea. It's just an amazing place. And so this is where we get into the political salons, and all of these people are hanging out at Salka Vertel's, uh, Thomas Mann's house, or the Villa Aurora. They're all having dinner with each other. And when you think about it, it totally makes sense because very few of these people speak a word of English. So, of course, they're going to go and hang out with their friends from the Weimar that they knew previously, right? There's no real conspiracy here. This is just, right. you know, human nature. Uh, the only problem is when you start to look into the backgrounds of all of these people and how they work together. So we can see Adorno, Horkheimer, we explained that they're at these meetings and so what are they doing at these meetings, right? We're going to get into that kind of stuff in our next articles, but it's, you know, it's starting to become pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. it's, it's this plan that Andy was talking about earlier to, to sort of break apart America. And really what it is, the first thing that they had to do, and I talked about this in the Future Perfect too, is they wanted to change our direction. They first had to uh, remove our remove us from our... Uh, moorings and remove the anchor. So when, when I talk about cybernetics and the, the control of society, 
with you know an ocean metaphor and and how to steer a ship that's what i'm talking about mm -hmm. so here's some interior shots of these places i just wanted to offer people right so that they can see that red door makes me a little curious yeah man right away right. It still <laughs> this, is there. this pops oh and look right. at that picture of it too that's it's almost perfect maybe any i'm not sure but yeah that red door is something hmm. It's almost like a beacon. Yeah. In, in case you weren't really sure where you're going, there's look for the red door. And so. Yeah. The door, I mean, the doors of perception was, I, it's, it's still on my bookshelf. It's all tattered. Cause I probably read it like four or five times. It's not even a, it was probably 400 pages altogether with um, heaven and hell as well. His other short, whatever you want to call it prose but um yeah man that's that cleared so many cobwebs yeah man it, mine looks a little different but it is yeah it's both of them like that incredible right and i that's bought it pretty for, wild <laughs> i bought it for four bucks yeah so, i got my everybody man go to your local bookstores and find this stuff grab it keep that's it the because thing. this is incredible artifacts so this is where, you know, I'd like Andy to talk on this too. Cause like we, all of us, like it's, it's weird. Cause like I, you know, didn't necessarily look at Huxley as like some sort of hero, but reading his stuff led me to believe kind of, um, or have faith in individuals, you know, that I shouldn't have. Right. It's like, he's giving us a lot of tools, legitimate tools to think about in terms of, psychology your own psychology i mean at least that's my take of it i don't feel like that part was necessarily you know untrue or misguided which is the weird part i don't like what parts of of his work specifically have we identified anything specifically or are we kind of just you know we have to go based on who they were who they were and where they were and who was working together right well i would say you know it's so complex yeah um i had a point to answer to that sorry when we're in this article hopefully can you re-ask me that question yeah sure yeah basically i'm just saying that you know as a very psychedelic person myself like i got a ton out of a lot of these pioneers that has helped me over the years because of my experiences and how insane they were. And I don't feel like they've guided me towards anything negative or in a bad direction. However, I think I can see, you know, how you could be led astray very easily. I think I say it often on the show that the newly awakened are the most easily fucked with or vulnerable people, you know, and you can get taken into many different directions. So perhaps, that's the angle. I don't know, but I'm just curious about, you know, what you guys think of that, like the content itself. Yeah. If you've so gone the, there, I mean, the I got a lot out of it. The answer Tim that Leary as well. Fucking the psychedelic experience with Tim Leary. Yeah. I'm sure we can get into how controlled and, and, you know, bad it all was yet. It helped me make sense of my mind in a lot of ways, you know, all yeah. it's, this is a weird dichotomy to be stuck in. Well, when you look at the, what they say, the, the founders of Esalen, they say that it's the religion of no religion. So this nice. is 
this is the kind of goal they're trying to they they recognize whether we want to uh think positively or not of religion they recognize that a lot of people were fully anchored to religion it it helps keep structure in our life and so they knew that that one thing was a was a major uh, obstacle to their plan so this is really why i think that the new age was infused into our society it was to break us from religion there they even say it that it is a religion of no religion so you yeah. can think about what would result from that okay and we see leary talking about in this video how a lot of the agents that were in los angeles were doing things in a cool and laid-back way where maybe in san francisco they weren't quite doing it right mm -hmm. and so you know this is what the 60s counterculture we start to see the 60s counterculture coming out of here to influence another demographic and really their their targeted demographic was the youth oh yeah because this these are the people that you know are going to steer the future so huxley he's a part of the bloomsbury set he's clubs 1917 future perfect we talk about how that group helped create the league of nations and how they are all pacifists mabel dodge luhan she's a solinier so I, i'm not sure how she fits in here whether she's an inspiration for all of these people but she is definitely creating the political salons in greenwich village this is where walter Lippmann frequented and i think this is really where the idea of the house of truth comes from because the house mm -hmm. of truth itself is a political salon and this is really where the the idea of progressivism is launched and why our definition of liberalism has changed so much is is because of that all at one place i invite people to go and check that article out too i just Very saw i just saw two names in there that <clears throat> jumped out at me um mm -hmm. can you scroll up a little yes uh krishnamurti yes <laughs> i uh. i literally always i always say this quote um and i it still rings true it is true um it is no measure of good mental health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick, sick society. Yes. Now, I <laughs> a lot of truth in his work, man. So much yeah. truth in that man's this work is about this stuff consciousness. Works. Yeah, this is how this like what stuff if works? Right? What if this is such a problem? Like what if like I see the consciousness movement, and then I see the conspiracy movement, and they're kind of together, but then. Sometimes when we get into the nitty gritty the, without discernment and without real research, they kind of bounce off each other like, whoa, we don't get along all of a sudden because mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden it's a lot of religion versus a lot of not so traditional religion anymore, but not necessarily like the collapse of the family or anything like that, you know, just not necessarily Christian specific values or something like that you know and this is a real interesting topic for me i think because this is my personal favorite how this all fits together and how I think, yeah i think, I think so maybe you, where you were talking about earlier like what's some of the downsides to um like huxley or the the psychedelic experience or something and mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of some of these characters and how, like, I'm, I'm sure you probably get into it, Dwayne, but, like, some of the leaders of, um, like, libertarianism and individualism and things like that, like, if, if you get 
if you get this idea of like, right, what was Leary's thing? Um, the last frontier of freedom was like your own mind or something. If we just get, if we become just too individualistic, then now we're vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, where we have to find a balance between individualism and retaining our right to be free and to make our own choices and also have that strength that sometimes religion, you know, brings community. you community community. Like, you know, we actually need other people, not only to yes. feel good about ourselves, to have meaningful relationships to, I mean, we need each other and we, I've, you know, Andy, you and I have talked about our own personal experiences, you know, um, seven grams of psilocybin <laughs> alone in the woods, you know, wa- walking into the woods by myself, not sure if I wanted to, to actually come out, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, right. Like really? And this was yeah. middle of August, 2020 in the middle of all of that madness that, that 2020 brought us, um, you know, coming off of a bad drug addiction a few years ago, opiates, heroin, mm-hmm. you know, to go from that to like, actually like five years ago, I was doing 30, 40, 60 pills at once. Didn't care wow. about the world. Wow, and now boy. I'm like standing outside of vaccine clinics by myself with a bullhorn. Like, <laughs> you know, like Because I actually give a shit about random people. I don't even know. I mean, how does that happen? You know, so psilocybin to me, I mean, really was an unbelievable tool. And mm-hmm. I think they can be. But however, they're being pushed by folks like Huxley and Esselin and Rogan and Jones <laughs> and Market, Aubrey all Marcus, the, all of them, all the wrong people. And here's the thing. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, I mean, fuck, I'm aging 20 years ago. <laughs> I couldn't, I knew I wanted this to happen. I couldn't wait for everybody to get it, man. And psychedelics (laughs) to become legal. And I still am not entirely against that when I, cause I'm obsessed with history, ancient history and where we come from and what kind of cultures we actually come from. And a lot of the traditions that have been twisted and inverted and we don't know about, it's like, again, they use the truth to their own advantage. I don't know fucking how. And that came out of Esalen too. Um, there was a research paper that was called Mind War that came out of Esalen. Um, yep. and, and it was all about asymmetrical warfare mm. for the 21st century. Boom. So Esalen was MKUltra for the 21st century. Hell that yeah. was that was what it was. Thought architecture, how to reprogram the subconscious mind, and they brought in the best minds. Mm-hmm. Influence from Huxley, money from um, Rockefeller, Ford, Packard, Carnegie mm-hmm. Mellon, all of these types of folks. Yeah, they were, they were literally targeting this information age, you know. So right. you you find um you know, names like Michael Aquino. Yeah. Um, Who also know, says a lot of interesting stuff about. Yeah, absolutely. There's a video of him saying how that mind war research paper um, originated from Esalen. And, and it was specifically about using the truth as a weapon. Information, 
Wars. Info Wars. Info Where have we Wars. heard that term before, <laughs> yeah. right? Information right. overload also was a, a specific tactic and strategy mm. for them. I don't know about you all, but sometimes my brain has a difficult time, you know, parsing all of this out, all the names, all the place. Not to say that it's not important because it is. Yeah, of course. But they've, they've, um, you know, look at our attention spans now, right? Right. Look at what they have done to the human mind, the average human mind who doesn't even, I mean, I'm aware of what's being targeted at me and how they're trying to manipulate me. And I'm still like, oh man, like, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to parse it all out. And it's, uh, it's really difficult, but that, um, oh, yeah. you know, I think people like Joe Rogan, you know, um, to bring it, to the modern and then we can kind of get back just real quick and then to get back i mean this guy the people the kind of names that he's had on um his show uh the kind of ideas that he spreads um you know universal basic income as an example um that was actually a term that was developed and introduced by alan watts at esalen oh really universal basic yeah. income was first introduced by alan watts out of at Esalen, and then Joe Rogan brings on Andrew Yang and promotes universal basic income. See, to me, the psyop in that, and maybe this may be a little out there for some people, but to me, the psyop is give the people a fake argument. The uh, meaning, and I'm sure there's like smarter ways to describe what I'm saying here, but give them a premise that is false, but make them argue two different sides of that false uh premise so they give us this idea of universal basic income and they have us argue about it versus how we've done things or a different way of doing things when in reality we all know how bullshit the monetary system itself is and always has been from the very fucking beginning so it's a fake premise to get people arguing about something just to accept that it's true just right. to accept that it's inevitable They'll argue for it or against it. That's how it works. And that's kind of terrifying when you think about the machine takeover that often gets argued about all the time when it comes to AI and technology. It's just being set up that it's happening. It's an inevitability and we get to argue about it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little depressing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just look at the two party paradigm. Exactly. The Hegelian dialectic strikes again but so there's, there's actually three things that i want to talk about here before we move on one okay. is uh mushrooms uh opened my mind i i really credit uh, that with me being able to see beyond what most people do and then all of this is a, a technology itself okay so they can use it for good or bad it's the so force we're trying to figure this out where Huxley went wrong. It's just a technology that they've chosen to weaponize. There's a gotcha. lot of good in there, but you really have to know it to use it proper. And so right. they've just manipulated people by using it wrong. And then the third point is that Huxley going all the way back to what, when Andy was talking at first is that Huxley and his buddy, Christopher Isherwood, who was hanging out at Weimar for the three years prior to coming to California, he wrote Goodbye Berlin, which turns into Liza Minnelli, uh, 
It's one of those classic movies. It's really neo-noir. And I can't remember the name of it right now, but uh, these these turn into big movies is, is the point I'm trying to make. And they together, Huxley and Christopher Isherwood, wrote The Gay Libertarian. Okay, really? so when we're talking libertarians, you can see that this is, hmm. I mean, I haven't read this, but it's, uh, you know, an awfully strange title to be using. Yeah. And, and this is another point, too, is that Christopher Isherwood and Huxley, his wife, and a lot of these people that are co-mingling are either bisexual, homosexual. There's, they're really living the lifestyle that they're, they're sort of uh, encouraging everybody to, to participate in. And you can definitely see that at Esalen. Definitely love. That, yep. That, you know, I have even seen, because I watched a lot of the Esalen and they even talk openly about having sex with everybody and who they want to have sex with. And they're, you know, as soon as they get there, they're already identifying who they want. And so who knows really what's going on? But I would say that there was very little limitations as to what they were doing. I'm sure that there was, you know, orgies and and I'm speculating here, but I well, would say. Not, you're making a lot of connections that make sense, like yeah, McKenna's archaic revival. Yes, this is a key phrase, archaic revival. Revival. Jan Irvin talked a lot about this before he kind of went off the air. And so we've kind of picked up the baton there and, and uncovered all of this. And, and he's where I first heard that phrase, archaic revival. And, and it goes back to Woodstock and, mm-hmm. and, and Timothy Leary just living at the uh, mansion there just outside of Woodstock. And, and you know, the, the proximity to... West Point, military bases, and all of these things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So here I talk about Al Hubbard, the Hollywood Hospital. Some major American actors are there getting LSD treatment. I'm um, talking about Jim Morrison and his father and how his father was the rear admiral of the USS Bonhomme Richard, the hmm. flagship of the Third Fleet Carrier Division during Tonkin Gulf incident, a very false flag event that initiated the Vietnam War. Now, Jim's dad was the leader on on the Bonhomme Richard uh, right. ship. And strangely, man, they de- decommissioned that ship on the 2nd of July, 1971, and the next day, Jim Morrison dies. So, Holy you shit, know, really? Mm-hmm. I did not know yeah. that detail. So this is like, to me... He was decommissioned. And, you know, the rumors yep. of Morrison still being alive. I mean, when you look at where they say he's buried, I'm not sure, you Ranch. know, a, a, a large man at six feet tall could fit in there. This is one of the things that kind of inspired it all. Yeah, there's a picture of him and his dad on the bridge of a ship, right? Wow. And so it is my Look at, look at the haircut. Look at the haircut. He was man. He was a man-made creation. Because, yeah, dude, yeah, he, he wasn't a hippie. He guy. was just dry. And you know, Oliver Stone's movie kind of makes it appear that way as well. That it almost makes him appear oh, as a well. spook because he's just it starts with just Jim walking down the strip, just suddenly out of nowhere. He's just a ghost from nowhere. Yeah, there's a scene in that movie too where he's in the shower. They've delayed a concert. Everybody's mm-hmm. waiting, and his his handler, uh, whatever her name was, they actually have a quick conversation about his parents and it sets them off so oh yeah the witchy, the i would say that you know jim morrison served his purpose 
-hmm. and moved on just as if uh, you had a military objective and you accomplished it and you went on to something else. That's really how I feel about it. Whether I can ever prove that or whether that is ever exposed as true. We don't know. Total speculation. Um, yeah. Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> there is a theory. Is he's out there. Jim Morrison. This is total, uh, you know, conspiracy world uh, awesome. theorizing. But uh, some some folks have gathered up uh, a theory that oh, Morrison that's is Limbaugh. Wow. That's great. I've never heard that either. <laughs> there is a, there is um, there is a little bit there. I'll say. I, I, really? I'm not making any claims here. I'll look into I'm, it. Not making any claims <laughs> I'll, I'll here. Look at that. I, I'm starting to realize that this place isn't exactly, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you start seeing like government yeah. agents videotaped, like. Uh, you know, putting on these like special undercover masks and stuff like that and fooling the president and stuff like that with how great the mask technology is. It's like, yeah, oh, shit, this isn't sci fi and this isn't necessarily conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And so to our viewers, I would say that as we speculate like this, this is healthy. I think that um, for us to be able to consider things without accepting them, this is really a, a great trade of you know, a deductive mind or somebody that's trying to be reasonable and work our way through this, navigate through our world. I think that we need to consider a lot of things and figure out whether we accept them going forward. Mm -hmm. so, you know, don't be afraid to speculate. Don't be afraid to consider things. And so I find that, you know, there are certain topics that if you even engage with people, that they show this, that they don't have this trait. They don't want to talk and consider things. They would rather call you a hundred other names before they would consider whatever it is that you're sort of trying to get them to talk about or to think about. Mm -hmm. And so one last thought here on Huxley before we get to this, or on Morrison, uh, before we get to this lower video here, is, you know, Freud, Freud is one of the key guys that they use. It's Mark's Hegel and Freud. Mm -hmm. And so I think this, this part right here, you know, Morrison introduces the Oedipal complex to a whole new generation. And this is, it's about killing your father and raping your mother, having sex with your mother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very shocking. Back in the day, people were just totally in outrage over this. And so I put the quote in from the song, The End. And where he talks about the killer awoke before dawn and put his boots on. And when you listen to all of that, it's it's the introduction of the Oedipal complex because he want he kills his father, says that he wants to kill him, and then leaves the conclusion open like a meme. Mother, I want to, and then it and then it it's as if they are explaining this event through the music. When you go back and listen. To yep. the song. It really makes a lot Dude, of sense. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, they leave the the most uh, damning part left up to the mind. They they yep. do this a lot. A lot of these guys, like in a movie, when when a couple goes to a motel room and the door closes and then it opens again and a "Do Not Disturb" sign goes on the door and it closes, that leaves your mind to run right. and imagine what it is. And just like a, a killer that's not seen is the most scary because it really plays to each individual that's watching it. Mm -hmm. This is how they kind of got around some of these 
laws. There was a, a Hayes Code. And so because of all of the, the movies were just so awful and and ask and 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 broaching subjects that were taboo lesbianism and all of these things and they were bringing them into the movies and influencing people and so they came out with this haze code and they just didn't want anything to demoralize uh, the american public but mm. they found ways to get around it and, and this is one of them where they just hang the it's an, an example of how they do it. They just, they hang the do not disturb sign and then everybody knows what's happening. They imply these things. So for those that don't know, many of these people were hanging out in Laurel Canyon. Andy just showed weird scenes inside Laurel Canyon. Yeah, and weird scenes, man. That. Yeah, and so we're not going to play this video, but I encourage everybody to go it's got all of the MK Ultra doctors sitting here, plus Johnny Appleseed. The guy. Yeah, we can play a little if you want. I don't know if it's yeah. copywritten, but we could try if you want to. Can you hear us? No, actually, we can't. Yeah, so I might have. So maybe not. <laughs> I think we're just gonna. But go to bulletproofpub.com to find okay. this video. Yeah, it's, it's an weird. Is that Captain Trips right next to him, or is that? Yeah. A... Yep. Yeah, that is him. That's Al Hubbard. And then Oscar Janiker's there. And Humphrey Osmond's there. And some of the admissions that they make in this video will blow your mind. There's probably 10 bombs in there. Yeah. Can you give the audience just a, a little treat? Yeah. What's one yeah. of them? Well, they say, you know, they talk about the agents in Los Angeles. Uh, Leary uses the word sell. And one of the doctors interrupts him and says, you know, can we not use cell? And it's a very open discussion about how they influenced um, the 60s counterculture. Mm. And yeah, I mean, there's just some amazing admissions in there. And definitely it is a must watch for everybody. So here we get Huxley inspiring Esalen and the human potential movement. It is no secret that Huxley was a seminal inspiration for Esalen and the infusion of Hindu mysticism in the United States. And it's through his perennial philosophy and it creates, it really, it doesn't create the new age movement, but it really, you know, rejuvenates it and kicks it into gear. Uh, a lot of these exiliterator are intelligentsia. So, mm. you know, the definition of that actually is scholars and intellects um, teaming up and, you know, creating circumstances. So, you know, there's connections there. Uh, a lot of these guys end up working in uh, U.S. intelligence. They're mm -hmm. working in propaganda divisions. They're creating weaponry. Uh, they're spreading propaganda. So we see a total intelligence overlay. And so some of these key guys, Ken Kesey, he wrote, Flew, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Allen Ginsberg, Terrence McKenna, Timothy Leary, Henry Luce, Gordon Wasson, who was the J.P. Morgan Vice President of Public Relations of all things, and the founder. Oh, yeah. of and we got receipts on him. We got receipts from the CIA on that guy. Yes, yes. And so they put out a Life Magazine article on the founding of the Magic Mushroom. And it's mm -hmm. simply, it's a network. They've all teamed up to... This is really how propaganda works. We've talked about this, I think, before, how propaganda needs 
two pillars. One's an institution and the other's information. You need a place to congregate and then another to disseminate. So a lot of these people are editors of like the Harvard Law Review or the Harvard Crimson or, you know, they end up becoming editors of major American um, newspapers, journals, quarterlies, magazines, a lot of them writing for foreign affairs. There are a lot of them are CF, CFR members. And Henry Luce is a, a major part of this. And we see the connections with Douglas, uh, Charles Douglas Jackson, C.D. Jackson. He's another guy that everybody needs to look into. He's, he's, uh, he's a head of the psychological department of the American government. And hmm. he one that the Zabruder film goes to because they give it to time life and it gets put into a vault. You know, when that first happens, nobody ever saw the moving film of the JFK murder like we do today. And we're so familiar with it was they only published still shots. And so that's really where they edited it. And we've never really seen the true JFK murder. You know, the way it was meant to be, they took they took frames out mm. and never really released it. It went into a vault and never came out right Bruder, he was a zionist too wasn't he abraham wasn't his name abraham i don't know Zapruder. Zapruder. yeah he was a zionist yeah i would say that he's definitely a part of this he wasn't just a guy standing there randomly, yeah. randomly and just happened to, to which just for everybody listening that may not realize this yet zionism is clearly a political situation not a religious situation Right. Just look into it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. And so I've just offered one page out of the time life. There's several. If anybody wants them, I can offer them. There, there's about nine pages or so. And it explains his whole trip into there. You can see there's a picture of him there. Mm -hmm. And so we also see the rollout through Playboy magazine and, and a whole bunch of it, of magazines. And so who's the targeted demographic of a Playboy magazine but young men? And so a lot of people all get involved in this magic mushroom a lot of people make uh, exoduses down to mexico to to have these religious experiences hell yeah and it's all inspired <laughs> through reading playboy and time magazine and the media really uh pushes it and promotes it mm -hmm. but i mean can we disregard the fact that cultures have been doing those practices for thousands of years and these people exposed more people to them like that's where that's where this conversation, I don't know, like we may like maybe that's the next conversation with with even a bigger group. I don't right. know. What do you what do you think of that, Andy? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting to think about. Um, like, are we like, I, I don't want to. I don't know. It feels like we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater with like or at least at least like I get I see all the nuances that you, that you guys that you're showing here. Yep. What I'm saying is like to really get the point to the biggest group of people, we're going to have to contend with these kind of questions because that's one of my questions. Like not only did I, you know, read a lot of these people, but like, you know, I've had these experiences as you guys have had these experiences. I know that we kind of, I'm not trying to like reiterate what we already discussed, but it's like, a lot of these points kind of lead to like, you know, you mentioned Hinduism. There's a lot of good there too. So like the fact that it was kind of brought in further, like, are we simply contending with a Christian viewpoint here? Well, 
I don't, I think it's an attack on Christianity for sure. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these atheist scientists were like rock stars when I was in my young 20s. You know, I totally I see that. I do. I don't know. Am I taking this to a, is well, it a different conversation? Again, um, we are prefacing everything that we say with, you know, that this is a technology and it can be used for good or bad. And yeah. we, we must be educated on things that we're going to sort of especially put into ourselves that we're going to consume. And, and so I am certainly not denouncing any of this, you know, the, the Hinduism, because you're right. There's a, there's a lot there that can keep, keep us peaceful. That can help us, you know, stay structured just as Christianity would, mm. uh, but it's a technology just like anything else. And, and they can use it to manipulate and I would also say that this is an open-ended investigation. Those are the answers that we're looking for, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I Absolutely. kind of that's I just wanted to really kind of bring it there because yeah. I feel like this is where I'm assuming this is where a lot of the confusion comes from in the comments when you when you're talking about getting yeah. a lot of uh, hate or misunderstanding or ad hominem attacks. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to understand this too a little bit you know because i see all the evil seething through all this and i've seen this i've had the same question the same problem for years and it's uh yeah it's a really tricky one okay so i i would go back to cybernetics here and what that means and the steering of a ship so Mm -hmm. they've they identified that they wanted to change our direction of that ship but they knew before they could set sail they had to remove anchors and our moorings and and some of those things and I'm calling them cleavages in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because we, we depend on these things. And, and so there again, we can get into all the specific things that we hold valuable to our Western culture. Mm-hmm. And then we can specifically remove the parts that we don't want and keep the parts that we do. So we do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is one of the major considerations for us and why we want to just present the information this is unbiased by any authority. Yeah, right? I'm just giving the, the facts. And I certainly like my farm. We grow the food, but I'm, I don't want to feed anybody. We put it on the on the shelf and, and they pick it up and eat it. And I get out of the way. And so this <laughs> is really how we approach this information too. I'm just uncovering this and presenting it as unbiased as I possibly can. Of course, I have biases. Of course, there are things that I see that are detrimental. And mm-hmm. of course, there are things about Huxley I do not like. Yeah. And so we all got to come to grips with some things and, and consider, you know, the reality of all of this. We've had, you know, when we go back to the Paris Peace Conference, we've had over 100 years of hindsight. So yeah. really... And a lot of it isn't even left to opinion. We can just lay out the facts and look at where we are. And, mm-hmm. you know, this whole thing and Huxley is a major part of it, but it is only a part. And for anybody that's kind of coming loose right now from from their love for Huxley, you know, I'm with you. There's a lot of a lot of my heroes are gone, too. Yeah. And I'm careful not to throw everything out until I fully consider everything. And so Best just advice. Kind of an educated opinion, all of this. Uh, and that's all I would say that it's a technology and it can be used for good or bad. You know, 
No, I like that. I I did. Yeah. I like that you came back to that and you're right. And the whole idea of using truth as a weapon, uh, fits into this as well. You know? Yeah. Um, that's just one thing, how they weaponize things against us. Yeah. And it goes into language, philosophy, theology, schools of thought. And so the smarter we are, the more knowledgeable we are, the less we're going to get fooled. And so here's a great example, okay? Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Okay, he says, uh, the greatest antidote to a tyrannical government is a well-developed individual. So I take that to heart. I'm like, yes. And so he inspired me into a lot of what you see that I've been mm -hmm. producing. Jordan Peterson right. inspired me in a major way. Yeah, I looked I looked up to him too for a little bit. I thought he was kind of uh like a I made my bed because of Jordan. Right. <laughs> right? Like he was well, rules for life, man. Yeah, he's yeah. saying good things to to young it's very men. Very basic and though. Yes. You know, to look at his trajectory, I totally agree with that, right? But, the best yeah, opposition to a um to a tyrannical government is a what was the term you said? Uh, well, well-developed individual, well, yeah. the perfect antidote to a tyrannical government. Now, that's the exact quote that he said on yeah. Joe Rogan about four years ago. And that really just set me off in the direction that we've gone because I wanted to find meaning and purpose. And the key word there is purpose. You mm -hmm. go back to uh, Future Perfect Article 2 and, and uh, Norbert Wiener's discovery of the feedback loop. It was called behavior, purpose, and teleology. And that is the study of purpose. So you go and you look at the Theseus, the rat or the mouse uh, that they put in the maze. He has a purpose and that is to find the cheese. And when you have a purpose, you can be manipulated. So yes, Jordan Peterson has totally influenced me. I took his writer's course. You know, I owe a lot to that guy you know, but now we see he's turning. Right. We see who's starting to affiliate with. We see some of the imagery that I've seen lately in the last month or so of, of his advertising. He's dark. He's far darker now. Yes. And so it's, he's a great example. You just have he to is. be careful of what you take and what you don't. And so when you understand the trivium and you, you get to know logical fallacies, these are great defense mechanisms. It's like uh, uh, intellectual Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. You have you have defense mechanisms that that help you steer, and then you have the ability through grammar, logic, and rhetoric to to ask the proper questions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I get it can be complicated, and and this is probably the final point I want to make before we finish this conclusion is that. Uh, uh, Paul Felix Lazarsfeld is one of these emigres that comes over on, on Rockefeller money and he leads the Princeton radio research project. And he uh, coins the term narcotizing dysfunction. And this is where they recognize that inundating everybody with uh, conflicting information and lots of it paralyzes them into inaction. And mm. so this is what we see that the modern day is just the, the fullest imagination extended of that where where people just watch TV and they they get fed information and that's replaced action. Right. Okay, and so this is deliberate by them. Everybody look into the Princeton Radio Research Project. Again, the word research. This is where they they researched our behaviors in radio listening before the TV was even around. Right. Well, they had this figured out a long time. Oh ago. man, I bet we could go deep into like uh the war of the worlds. 
Yep. Moon landing. That's where my well, next sure, article is sure. <laughs> But the yeah. War of the Worlds, like being broadcast and everybody, oh, yeah, that story that where everybody thought it was real, that now starting to sound like an experiment on purpose. It's fully, and when you look at who's involved there, it's right. Lazarus, but it's H.G. Wells is there. Right. And right. So it becomes pretty obvious when you when you have a conceptual idea of everything, you can see how these these individual events really help shape and steer. Right. And so. <laughs> yeah. And so here's, a, in my conclusion, I say little remains to be said. What we witness is an all-out frontal assault on all aspects of Western society, all instituted at the same time, and the whole agenda manipulated by the very author of A Brave New World. And so that's where I would say that we are at with this. Wow. So we're kind of putting in putting Huxley in the main driver's seat. And, of uh, this aspect of it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, of this aspect, just like one little thing. And, you know, yeah. this, and is this is hard to deny. If people can go to the, the website and look at all this information, it's it's right in front of us. It's undeniable. Yeah, and they, they talk about California, Los Angeles being a laboratory. I've got uh, footage of Timothy Lear being introduced by his son, and he does a stand-up routine. And this is, you know, probably 20 years ago. 30 years mm -hmm. ago. It was well after the 60s calendar culture. And he talks about how they were experimenting on Los Angeles because Los Angeles was the place of the cool and hip. And so that it was easier for everybody around America and in the West to follow what was going on in LA. We see today even how, you know, Hollywood stars or idols and, mm -hmm. and uh, societal um, influencers, shapers of everybody's thought, right? We, we see commercials with LeBron James promoting McDonald's and, you know, it's all part of it. So wow. we've got Huxley, Al Hubbard, the guy that's in that black and white video. He's the shorter guy on the right. And, and Gerald Hurd, who is really one of those other founders we haven't mentioned here, but he's, he's huge in the human potential movement. Him and Huxley come to LA together. And so there's a pretty incriminating picture there. We've got the mm -hmm. Johnny Appleseed of LSD standing in California sun with Huxley and Heard. Wow. So, yeah. Just have a wealth of primary source materials. Yeah. Because, you know, first of all, I want to protect my mind. Right. Yeah. It's like putting on the oxygen for you first and then taking care of your baby. If the plane's going down, this right. is really what, what's inspired me is to protect myself and my family, those closest to me. So they're the first to get this right. Mm -hmm. So that we, and really this is the kind of information that's helped us thrive mm -hmm. to, to oh, know how the world works. And it's not, it's not Woodrow Wilson. That's writing the 14 points that become the league of nations. It's actually all of these, these social engineers, right. High level grand strategists that are, that are creating it. And so that whole mechanism becomes an entering wedge and creates, you know, the world that we have today. This is incredible. And this, Absolutely. again, this is an ongoing living research project that you're, that you're conducting, you know, and yep. as Andy and I are doing our own work, you know, it's, it, eventually it's got to come into, it's got to come together, you know, yeah. Uh, I really feel like, you know, I asked you in the very beginning of, of part one was uh, 
who put these social engineers all in the same room right no. and yeah this huxley could be considered a big part of it right but from the very beginning we know a lot of you out there listening know or watching this story goes far beyond the ninth, the, the 20th century into the 19th and 18th and far beyond that so this is a piece but this is a recent piece this is something that's in our lifetimes, stories that we grew up on from our parents and our grandparents talking about the world. And this is flipping it all on its head. Yeah. And I would take this opportunity. You reminded me to thank the many people that are in behind the scenes working for us. You know, we're not paying anybody, but we are getting inundated with information and and, mm. and leading us into some more incredible areas, you know, there's a lot of people getting on board and they're working in behind the scenes. They don't really want to be identified, but they love doing research and they see what we're doing. So they're starting to contribute. And I really want to just say thanks to all of those people. You guys know who you are. You're, you're on Facebook with me. And, and uh, I just really appreciate all of that because it, it shows that, you know, there's a, there's a concerted effort and interest in writing all of this wrong. Mm. And so, I invite everybody to come along with us on this open-ended investigation. Let's discover our reality and do it in a way that we can identify specifically what's hurt us most and remove it and leave that which benefits, you know, our society and us. Good words. Good words. Andy, you got anything for us? Um, I wanted to touch base on <clears throat> just kind of what you guys think. I, I think it was a, article i think it might have been written by jan Irvin. um i got into a, a lot of this type of research through him not so sure what i think about him now going on alex jones and uh, i think he's kind of taken a turn but well, he's um what's that he's disappeared yeah and a yeah. lot of people credit myself for doing that we had <laughs> an epic battle over about a month and we had phone conversations. I talked to Jan Urban and he, I'll say this right now, man, that he, he really introduced this stuff to me too. And so even though him and I aren't friends anymore and he's not really doing a lot, I, we owe a lot to that work. You know, that right. general stumble buying quote is, is going to be an incredible artifact if we were to win this. Mm. So yeah, sorry to interrupt there. No, nah, no worries. But he he highlighted something. Um, I think the article was called like "What's in a Name." Yep. And he was talking about, you know, how did they arrive at hallucinogen or psychedelic, and and really he came up with a term that he said would be more appropriate, and I I agreed with this. Uh, suggestogen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. We see, especially now, right? If, if we're talking about now and what we've seen, the kind of conversations that take place about these different substances that can give us these, um, maybe they can, they can give us some peace. They can give us some understanding. They can blow, they can blow our minds open and they can, they can help bring healing to a, a broken sort of, person who's who's in a bad state of mind right who's who's depressed who's dark who's down who's just who's tried it all 
Now, if we see the kind of conversations that are taking place, I mean, you see people like Joe Rogan taking mushrooms on his podcast and trying to get people that that don't even want to take them. Yeah, comedians and stuff. And he's just take a mushroom, just take a mushroom. Right. And we, we hear these people describe the types of experiences you're supposed to have. Right. Right. Even when even when we talk about these things. Right. It's like we kind of talk about there yeah right i think it's so um i mean i struggle with this because it's something that really helped me so much and mm. i don't think i'd be where i'm at today you know standing outside of vaccine clinics by myself yeah, I, totally <laughs> I don't think i'd be where i'm at to have the kind of strength to like stand up in, in the face of all this because it's not easy to to like put yourself out there to start a podcast to mm-hmm to show the world what's inside of your mind, just free flowing. It's not easy to, to do that. And, um, but I think we really need to be careful because that process of altering your mind with these substances, our minds are, are, I mean, they're so resilient and strong and able to take on so much, but yet they're so fragile. Mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. same time it's yeah. it's amazing to think yeah, about yeah to think about how like you can overcome like i had a friend he runs a, a business up here in Asheville, north carolina chocolate business was telling me i was at you know kind of just having a discussion with him about some circumstances that i was struggling with personal circumstances and, and he told me he said something about the the cia in all these types of MKUltra experiments and 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 really trying to find those inner gears and, and what works and what doesn't. He was saying that there was documents that said when an individual fully accepts the circumstances of their situation like really deeply beyond measure accepts their circumstances, they they become like super human right so to, so to think about how the mind can be that powerful and mm-hmm. that resilient and that amazing but at the well, same time so fragile where well, somebody could have one of these experiences and take these substances after li- i mean there's if you and then you get on, the handlers then you get the handlers coming in if right? you search on facebook there are so many young people that are like just willy-nilly starting dmt groups and yeah. all these stuff and they're the way that they talk about this stuff they openly talk about smoking dmt in comment sections i remember i got pulled into a group and because I, I was like you know i had had some experience with mushrooms so hearing that all these conversations and podcasts about dmt and this and that I'm seeing these young, young, really young, like people doing this so recklessly. Mm. And I remember I had a friend uh, in 2020 told me about um, his brother had a best friend somewhere in California, took a hundred hits of acid, a whole sheet. Mm. And he is in a padded room permanently and he thinks he's a glass of orange juice (laughs) and if you if he somebody pushes him over then he's gonna die 
like this is this is a 21 year old yeah to think about that so like for listeners and viewers out there i just wanted to kind of bring that up because you need to be careful your mind is it's very powerful and very capable and amazing and beautiful however you need to be careful Mm-hmm. And you need to be careful of people like Joe Rogan mm. and Aubrey Marcus and all yeah. of those folks that run in those circles. Sadhguru. Sadhguru telling oh. people to get vaccinated. All oh, yeah. these kinds of different people that are being promoted. If it's being promoted by the algorithm That's to it. you, don't be very careful. <laughs> That's be the very... tough part. You listen to Robert Malone get up there and talk like we, the coalition against the the pharma industry, and you're like, why is this being promoted? I don't, I don't know what's happening. All the other vaccines are great, but this one's not so great. Yeah, and I still really like traceability and tracking. My CIA friends tell me it's a really good thing. No, it's it's good. It's good. Now the Joe Rogan thing, you brought up a really good point, Andy, because like. Uh, yeah, man, I have never, I have accidentally without knowing any better when I was younger done psychedelics at like a party kind of scenario. Other than that, it's always been like very sacred and important to do it with the right people, if any, the right place and all that, because there is great experience and truth in it. But Joe Rogan being, you know, and a literal influencer, not just some influencer and using that word, like of a huge influence on the youth and unfortunately the adults of America and the world to turn that into, to, I guess, even like cannabis, turning it into like something you can just pass around and do during interviews and shit and kind of give that message. It's kind of, uh, yeah, it's pretty unfortunate to see that. You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of turning it into, and even cannabis, not to go off on too much of that tear, but like cannabis should be more of a sacred thing. I don't do it that way at all, but I should, you know, we all like that. It's maybe that was normalized too in that situation. So this is all fitting together. There's a million pieces to this friggin' story. Oh, you guys want to say anything else? It's been, we are on 10, uh, we're on two hours and 33 minutes right now. Yeah. Uh, I would say about Logan and, and maybe we got maybe five more minutes. Sure. But, uh, I would say that Rogan is fulfilling the role that Lippman did. He's an entering wedge. And he's really the modern rendition of a, a, a social influencer. It's pretty obvious now. Yeah. That, you know, he's sort of paid to do what he does. And, you know, it, back to your point about people's mental health and being careful, I would say that, and also that, you know, understanding how powerful we are. What are they targeting but our mind? So they understand the power we have if we actually engage. And so this should inspire everybody to to do their best to become a well-developed individual, to learn logical fallacy, because once you know that, you're never fooled again. And people like Rogan, you you can consider in their true light. And I'll go back to one of, you know, one of the things I remember from taking mushrooms, man, was there, this is a specific moment in my life that was very profound, but 
I took mushrooms and I was just outside in my backyard in the sun and just enjoying nature. And I was just overwhelmed by it all. And I remember a, 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 a basil plant and it was sitting there and it, but it was like reaching for the sun. And so it really changed my perspective. Obviously that's what they all grow towards the sun, but it was just vibrating. And, and in that moment I could really feel nature and, uh, Leary talks about set and setting being very mm -hmm. important. So where you are and who you're with. So he really speaks to this vulnerability that we have. Mm -hmm. So those are all considerations. I'm not going to tell somebody to, to take mushrooms because I know that there is some downside. Everybody's different. I have yes. a story from my past uh, of a friend that did similar things. They they had they took mushrooms and lsd for they they tried to see how many days in a row they could do it <laughs> and i remember the summer and we were still in high school it was probably grade 11 and we would see these two buddies of ours driving around in their suzuki samurai high on whatever and the rest of us were at the beach but they were on a trip now yeah. one of those guys is in jail for oh. a very horrific murder oh now, jesus i'm not sure how much of this had influence he was already a little bit when we were kids but this is the risk that we would we take when we sort of dive into these things especially when we don't respect them yes and so a lot of my friends yeah it, but these guys just wanted to see how far they could push it and so that really affected their life going into the future Right. So this is why I don't, I stop short of saying, yeah, everybody take it, even though yeah. it had so much influence on me and really did open my eyes. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree. And I, I do, you we're, we're both, everybody's speaking here to something that keeps bringing this to my mind. This idea that it's like the two evils pretending to be the good and bad, you know, or this, this fake setup, right. That's this, because it's like you have you actually kind of do have these two groups where one group seems to want to keep it all in the hands of the few this very powerful information right and then there's the other group that wants to let it all out of the bag and rule in that way in some some capacity and it seems like like use psychedelics as that like it's all suppressed all the knowledge, all the interesting spiritual knowledge that comes with it, all of that suppressed for a long time by the powers that be. Now the powers that be are letting it all out. And it's interesting how it's how it's all part of it. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. But um and I don't have answers for that. You know, this is no, but it's just for, for everybody. To, this is I we really encourage everybody to to come along with us on this journey and track us as we go and let's make this a, a, a community effort and, and you know we're getting contacted by a lot of people that have specific interests in research and they're uncovering things that are related to us and when we go back to the Macy conferences it was interdisciplinary so they had doctors of every type and they would all present and then all the other doctors would take that information and then show how it related to their expertise Mm -hmm. And so I think that, that is key for us to now do. Both you guys uh, have uh, a knowledge that I don't have. And I have a knowledge that some other people don't have. And so 
we've got to connect the past with today. And so we're encouraging everybody to come help us. If, if there's an uh, expertise or an area of history or research that if you find could help us, definitely put us in touch with it. We're going to, you know, roll it around in our hands like we do all artifacts and see how this relates to everything. And I think this is how we win is if we all get interested in this and really push forward. And that's what we're trying to do is really push this into the mainstream and show this reality. We're not, not making anything up, but it is a, it is a history that most people don't know. So that's right. Know. Well, I think you're doing a really great job over there at bulletproofpub.com. Dwayne, thank you so much again for joining us on this epic series that we've been doing uh, Andy Gerard, thank you so much for joining us on this. And I want to bring us all together again, probably, and do more of these. That would be really fun. I think, mm -hmm. I think it would be really educational for all of us and yeah. maybe bring some other good people in, in, and, in, uh, into the, the fold. Um, but yeah, Andy, please tell us, tell the audience where they could find you. Well, <clears throat> somehow still on YouTube, I am in a timeout right now because I said COVID vaccine victims all in that order <laughs> on a video. Um, COVIDvaccinevictims.com actually is what I said, and the video got deleted. Um, so still on YouTube. Uh, my channel is called Go Within to Get Out. Um, I'm on Odyssey, Rumble, BitChute, all the places. Uh, Facebook, you can find me at Andy Gerard. Um, Dwayne and I communicate on there quite regularly. Um, but yeah, it's really happy to be here today, guys. Thanks for that presentation, Dwayne. Um, I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and I want to expose um, the modern aspect of this like drawing out from Esalen. Esalen really intrigues me because of you know my experience with the um with mushrooms what it did for me how amazing it was um but also finding it a struggle to how do I communicate to my audience without being reckless you know mm -hmm. because in the beginning I was just <clears throat> I was completely reckless I thought the sky was falling <laughs> it kind of was in 2020. <laughs> I just I didn't have anybody to talk to. Um, my family and friends thought I was nuts. And um, you know, I've I've made so many changes. I used to be a sports fan. Used to watch TV. I threw my television away. And I finally understand why my family and friends think I'm crazy. Just because it's a huge shift. It was a huge shift in my my thinking, my behavior, the kind of things I would be interested in and talk about. And, but yeah, I was a little reckless, I would say in 2020, but, um, I'm a different man. I'm a, I'm a better man today for having endured all that. Uh, I've met yeah. so many amazing people like yourselves and I'm just trying to spread love, compassion in the world and, you know, give a voice to the voiceless out there and try and uncover and seek the truth because we don't have a truth community we have a seeking truth community he's got a monopoly over here you know damn right yeah so, and i would just say i would just say this in closing it's been awesome to meet both of you guys appreciate both of your passions for finding out what's really going on you can find me at 
the history of propaganda on YouTube. I'm still there too, for whatever reason. <laughs> a lot of pub. good videos there. And yeah, bulletproofpub.com. All right, Dwayne, Andy, everybody listening and watching. This was awesome. And uh, yeah, look forward to more. Awesome. See you next time. Watch this video get censored from YouTube for my last. <laughs> Let's hope not. It'll also be up on Odyssey and Rockfin. So, all right. Later, guys. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself. But don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Pacifaria. Enough, I get the point. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, well, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? I mean... <laughs>Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.